happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. I have made an accidental new theme in a lot of the the episodes that I've researched recently. And that theme is 17th century historical figures with just big, big gaps in the record. So there was <laughs> Mary Dyer and all the question marks about her life before she got to Boston and where exactly she was executed. And then Michelina Wattier, who I decided to do a podcast on, even though we have almost no biographical detail about her. Now, today, it is Hasekura Rokueman Tsunanaga, who was a samurai who led a diplomatic delegation to New Spain, Spain, and Rome in the 16-teens and 20s. Uh, these delegates who were with Hasekura Tsunanaga were probably the first Japanese people to visit Cuba and to cross the Atlantic Ocean. But a lot of the Japanese records about their mission were lost or destroyed after they got back. At the same time, though, this is a situation where if we were Japanese or living in Japan, we might have access to some more information. There are a number of Japanese scholars who have written about this over the last four or five decades. But that's research that was printed in Japanese in Japan, and a lot of it just isn't available in any language in libraries in the United States. This delegation took place just before Japan started closing its borders in the 17th century, and it was between waves of violent and sometimes truly horrifying persecution of Christians in Japan. All of that connects to why those records were destroyed, which, of course, we will be getting to. So to set the stage for what was happening in 17th century Japan... Portugal had started trading with Japan in the 1540s after Portuguese merchants were blown off course and landed in Japan by accident. Spain established a trading relationship with Japan not long after, with much of that trade taking place via the Philippines. 
Ferdinand Magellan had claimed the Philippines for Spain in 1521, and trade between Manila and Acapulco, Mexico, known as the Manila Galleon Trade, was established in 1565. Spanish trading ships carried silver, gold, and other precious metals from the Americas to Asia, and porcelain, silk, ivory, and other goods from Asia back to the Americas, and then from the Americas onto Europe. We talked about this trade and its influence in our 2015 interview with Dennis Carr, who at the time was a curator at the Museum of Fine Arts Boston. As Portugal and Spain established trading relationships with Japan, missionaries started arriving there as well. The first Catholic missionary in Japan is recognized as Francis Xavier, who was one of the founders of the Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits. He arrived in Japan in 1549. More Jesuit missionaries followed, as well as Franciscans and Dominicans, and by the end of the 16th century, there were about 200,000 Catholics living in Japan. That included missionaries from outside of Japan, as well as local people who had converted. But the relationships among these three religious orders were not always harmonious. As a general trend, most of the Jesuit missionaries were Portuguese, while most of the Franciscan and Dominican missionaries were Spanish. And there were a lot of disagreements among the three of them, as they each essentially competed with one another. There were also disagreements between Spanish and Portuguese clergy and between Spanish and Portuguese people in Japan more generally. Spain and Portugal were united under Habsburg monarch Philip II in 1580, but that didn't stop the Spanish and Portuguese in Japan and elsewhere from seeing one another as rivals. There were also missionaries from other countries. One was Italian Jesuit visitor Alessandro Valignano. A visitor was essentially someone who visited and inspected Jesuit missions, and Balignano was responsible for the Jesuit missions in most of Southeast and East Asia except for the Philippines. During the Tensho era of Japanese history, which spanned from 1573 to 1592, Balignano arranged for four Japanese seminary students to visit Europe— He wanted to impress Jesuit leadership with what the order was doing in Japan and also impress these four Japanese delegates by touring them through some of Europe's major Catholic cities. The four boys, all aged 14 or 15, were carefully selected. At this point, the Japanese ruling class was the daimyo, who were essentially powerful feudal lords. Some of the daimyo had converted to Catholicism, and the delegates had connections to the most powerful of those. These four young men all had both a Japanese and a Spanish Catholic education, including Japanese language and literature, Spanish, Latin, music, and art. The senior delegate was Mancio Ito Sukematsu, and the junior delegate was Michael Chijiwa Suzyemon. The other two boys, Julian Nakura and Martin Hara, were selected as their companions, but in practice, all four of the boys were basically treated as though they were part of the same delegation. This became known as the Tensho Embassy of 1582 or the Tensho-era Boys Embassy. It wasn't really an embassy, though. There wasn't a diplomatic goal beyond just introducing these boys to Catholic Europe and vice versa. The embassy left from Nagasaki in February of 1582. Tracy wasn't able to piece together the entire route that they took to Europe, but they traveled south and west from Japan, making stops in Macau and Malacca before arriving in Goa on the western coast of India. 
Valignano left the delegation there after receiving orders to transfer to a new assignment, and the rest of the embassy continued on, finally arriving in Lisbon on August 11, 1584. So it took them about two and a half years to travel from Japan to Portugal, with some relatively lengthy stops along the way. After arriving in Europe, this delegation met with King Philip II of Spain, Pope Gregory XIII, and Gregory's successor, Sixtus V. The gifts that they brought for these and other people included painted folding screens, or byobu, for each of them. And this might have been the first introduction of these painted screens into Europe. This delegation wasn't an official effort on Japan's part, although later on, Valignano wrote about it as though it had been, and officials in Europe seem to have seen it that way. A lot of European accounts describe the boys as kings or princes, which they definitely were not. There were also people who compared them to the biblical magi, the wise men from the east who followed a star to Bethlehem after the birth of Jesus Christ. This delegation traveled in Europe before returning home, including to Lisbon, Madrid, Pisa, Florence, Rome, Genoa, and Venice. They arrived back in Japan on July 21st, 1590. But anti-Catholic and anti-Western attitudes had really started increasing in Japan while they were away. For example, daimyo Toyotomi Hideyoshi, who is known as one of the three unifiers of Japan, issued an edict expelling missionaries from Japan three years before the delegation's return. Toyotomi was apparently motivated by concerns about the number of daimyo who were converting to Christianity and about reports that some of the daimyo were forcing their subjects to convert as well. This initial edict wasn't strictly enforced, though. And all four of the boys from the Tensho Embassy ultimately joined the Jesuit order as they had planned. To circle back to Toyotomi Hideyoshi Hideyoshi and the unification of Japan, that was happening right around the same time as well. From 1467 to 1568, there had been so much conflict and warfare among all of Japan's domains and their ruling daimyo that it came to be known as the Sengoku period, or the Warring States period. This period came to a close as three daimyo conquered and otherwise unified the domains. Toyotome Hideyoshi was one, and the other two were Oda Nobunaga and Tokugawa Ieyasu. As Japan was becoming more unified, some of its leaders started working to increase trade with other nations, to send more Japanese ships rather than relying largely on merchants from countries like Spain and Portugal. But Spanish officials were concerned about whether an increase in the number of Japanese ships would threaten the ports of Manila and Acapulco. Both of these ports were already considered to be vulnerable to attacks by the English or the Dutch. The loss of either of the ports would completely disrupt the Manila galleon trade. Spanish authorities were also wary of entering into a deeper relationship with Japan because the status of Catholics in Japan was already precarious. Although there were some daimyo who had converted to Christianity and some who protected Christians within their domains while not themselves being Christians, in some places Christians faced deep hostility and even violence beyond the edict expelling missionaries that wasn't really being enforced. As one of the most horrifying examples, in 1597, 26 Catholics, including clergy and laypeople, were rounded up in Nagasaki, publicly mutilated, and then crucified. 
Six of them were from Spain, Mexico, or Portugal, and the rest were Japanese or Korean. This is usually interpreted as a response to what's known as the San Felipe incident. The San Felipe was a Spanish galleon that had wrecked in Japanese territory the previous year. The ship's captain was reportedly outraged after his cargo was confiscated. He either threatened local authorities with Spain's military might or sort of implied that Spain was using merchants and missionaries to pave the way for an invasion. So this treatment of Christians was kind of a response to what was perceived as a a genuine threat. More violence followed these crucifixions, including the burning of churches. Oda Nobunaga and Toyotomi Hideyoshi had both died by 1598, leaving Tokugawa Ieyasu the last of the three unifiers and the first shogun of the Tokugawa shogunate, also called the Edo shogunate because its capital was in the city of Edo. Japan still had an emperor, but under the Tokugawa shogunate, the shoguns and the Tokugawa family were really in control. Tokugawa Ieyasu was somewhat more tolerant of Catholicism, although he did prohibit daimyo from converting. This tolerance was largely because he wanted to encourage more trade between Japan and Europe, and that was in part because Japan had lost China as one of its major trading partners. Japan had invaded Korea in 1592, and China had sided with Korea, so that trading relationship was, at least for the time, over. And it was in the wake of all of this that Hasakura Tsunenaga undertook his mission. We'll talk more about that after a sponsor break. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for 
for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Hasakura Sunanaga was born in 1571. He's described as being descended from Emperor Kamu. Kamu was Japan's 50th emperor and reigned from 735 to 806. Beyond that, we really don't have much biographical information about him at all. As a samurai, he would have had lots of combat training. And in this case, this also involved firearms training. He was in the gun corps of the daimyo he served, Date Masamune. Date Masamune had lost an eye as a child due to an illness. Sometimes this illness is specified as smallpox. For that reason, as an adult, he was nicknamed the One-Eyed Dragon. He had military experience and became daimyo of Sendai on the northern part of Honshu Island, which is the largest of the four main islands of Japan. Although he was not Christian himself, he did allow Christians in his territory, including allowing a church to be built there in 1611. As was the case with Tokugawa Ieyasu, this was probably more about wanting to increase trade to his region than about any kind of religious conviction. Date Masamune was also a patron of the arts and letters and was himself a poet. In 1612, Hasakura Tsunanaga's father, Hasakura Tsunanari, was accused of corruption, stripped of his land and title, and ordered to take his own life. And this is reportedly what led to Hasakura Tsunanaga going on this mission to Spain and its colonies. Date Masamune ordered him to do it as a way to redeem his family, and if he refused, he would be punished for his father's disgrace as well. Spanish Franciscan friar Luis Soleto acted as an interpreter for this delegation. He had arrived in Japan in 1606 after spending three years in the Philippines. It's possible that, like Hasakura Tsunenaga, his participation in this mission was not entirely voluntary. Soleto had agreed to go on an earlier voyage to New Spain that Tokugawa Ieyasu authorized in 1610, but then he pulled out due to an illness. That voyage went on as planned, but without Luis Soleto, and in some accounts, he was essentially forced to go on this mission as punishment for failing to go on the previous one. In other accounts, it was punishment for something else, proselytizing at a colony for people with leprosy after being ordered not to, and he was given the choice of either going on this mission or being executed. There are also some accounts that put a somewhat more positive spin on this, though. Saletto seems to have been ambitious. He was hoping to be named Bishop of Japan once that bishopric was established, in some versions of all this, one of Date Masamune's concubines had been ill and Soleto had healed her, and then Date had thanked him by advocating for him to be part of this delegation. So in this version, it wasn't really a punishment. Soleto was hoping to use the delegation as a stepping stone to becoming Bishop of Japan. 
The galleon built for this voyage was initially called the Date Maru, and it may have started by rebuilding the hull of an earlier shipwreck. Construction took 45 days, supervised by Shogun Admiral Mukai Shogun. Later, the ship was renamed the San Juan Baptista, and it sailed with about 180 total people on board, including about 120 Japanese merchants, servants, and the likes, and about 20 samurai. One of the merchants was Tanaka Shosuke, who had been on that earlier mission in 1610. The ship also had a crew of about 40 Spanish sailors under the command of Sebastian Vizcaino, and there was a lot of strife between Vizcaino and the Japanese delegation. Some of this seems to have been just prejudice on his part, but he had also tried to get permission to search for gold and silver along the Japanese coastline, or maybe to search for islands of gold and silver that were believed to be in the waters off of Japan, That request had been denied, and Vizcaino was bitter about it. And then to make things worse, he wound up stuck in Japan after his ship was damaged and he couldn't get funding to make it seaworthy again. So Sebastian Vizcaino is yet another person who was just under a lot of external pressure to embark on this voyage. For his part, this was basically his ride back to the Americas so he could make his way from there back to Europe. The San Juan Baptista set sail from the port of Tsuki no Ura in the fall of 1613. It crossed the Pacific Ocean to what's now California and then sailed to Acapulco, arriving there on January 28, 1614. The delegation had brought gifts for authorities in Acapulco as well as the royals, religious leaders, and others they would encounter later on in their expedition. They included painted biobu screens, weapons, armor, and furniture. After arriving in Acapulco, they traveled across Mexico to Veracruz via Mexico City. One of the people who chronicled their time in New Spain was the prolific Nahua historian and chronicler known as Chamalpine Cuatlopanitzin, who lived in Mexico City. Chamalpine wrote about day-to-day life among Nahua communities, as well as Spanish colonial efforts in Mexico. He wrote in both Nahuatl and in Spanish, Chamalpine created some of the most comprehensive chronicles of New Spain written by an indigenous person in the 16th and 17th centuries. And much of what he wrote and incorporated in his annals included eyewitness accounts from other indigenous people. His work is also noteworthy because he wasn't a member of the nobility, so his point of view represented everyday people rather than the elite. He had also documented that earlier 1610 delegation that had included Tanaka Shosuke. Chamalpine's account of the delegation includes a description of a violent incident between Vizcaino and some of its Japanese members not long after their arrival. Apparently, this had something to do with who was going to take control of the gifts that the delegation had brought with them. Someone stabbed Vizcaino with a sword, and a Spanish official who tried to intervene was killed. Vizcaino and the rest of the delegation quickly parted ways, with Vizcaino traveling across Mexico separately from them to return to Europe. Chamalpine was also one of the people who wrote about members of the delegation being baptized while in Mexico. According to Chamalpine, 44 of them were baptized in Mexico City in the spring of 1614, more than half of them baptized by Archbishop Juan Perez de la Serna. Most accounts suggest that with the exception of the most high-ranking samurai in this group, which included Hasakura, 
All the Japanese entourage were baptized while in Mexico. Apparently, though, there aren't official church records to back that up. It's like there are a lot of accounts that describe it, but according to the sources that I read, not church records to confirm it. There are some things that are not fully clear about these baptisms. Some of the delegation's members may have already converted or at least been interested in doing so before leaving Japan. But we don't really know everyone's reasons for going on the voyage or what everyone's thoughts and feelings were in terms of religion. So we don't really know whether all these baptisms came about because of a sincere religious conviction or more as an attempt to encourage the trade agreement that they were there to secure. Authorization of that kind of a trade agreement needed to come from Spain itself, not from colonial authorities in the Americas. So a group of samurai plus about 20 other Japanese delegates departed from Veracruz in the late spring of 1614. That July, they became the first Japanese people known to visit Cuba, and then the first Japanese people known to have crossed the Atlantic Ocean. We will talk about their time in Europe after a sponsor break. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice 
privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. When Hasakura Sunanaga's delegation had been in Mexico, they had been welcomed and treated as honored guests. And that really continued in the first place they visited in Europe, which was Luis Saleto's hometown of Seville, where they presented letters of introduction to the council on September 30th, 1614. There was a lot of hype in Seville around their visit, including formal receptions and a pamphlet written about them that was basically propaganda. This pamphlet made it sound like they were official emissaries sent by the Emperor of Japan and that Date Masamune was next in line to be Emperor of Japan. It's not entirely clear whether Europeans understood the distinction between the emperor and the shogun or whether they were using emperor to mean shogun. It kind of reminds me of how, like, when we read colonial accounts from North America, people will describe indigenous leaders as kings and queens when that wasn't really how they mm-hmm. saw their own role at all. And, like, I, and it's not clear to me what the situation is here. And some of this may have been a misunderstanding on the part of the people of Seville, but Luis Soleto and his family also may have been exaggerating things intentionally. Aside from overinflating the rank of Date Masamune and of the delegation, all of this publicity totally concealed the fact that Hasakura and Soleto were likely doing this because if they didn't, they would have faced execution. One thing to note here is some scholars have concluded that this delegation may have had another objective entirely, that it wasn't just about securing a trade agreement and also it didn't really have a religious element so much that it was to get the Pope to recognize Date Masamune's domain as independent from the Tokugawa shogunate. If that's the case, this propaganda in Seville may have been less of a just overstatement of what their rank was and more like trying to frame Date Masamune as shogun of his own domain. This was the first time that Soleto had returned home since leaving in 1599 to pursue missionary work in Asia, so friends and family were probably genuinely eager to see him. Some of the receptions and other entertainment were also arranged by his family or other personal connections. And a lot of these really sound like they were more about Soleto than about the Japanese delegation. And this was a two-way street, with Soleto and the delegation implying that Seville was being particularly honored by being their first stop after arriving in Europe. But this really warm welcome didn't extend beyond Seville very much. Once they got to Madrid, officials there seemed to have seen through all of this hype really quickly. Some of them had also received letters from other missionaries in Japan and Mexico that made them suspicious and distrustful of Saleto. This included messages from other Franciscans who found him to be overly ambitious, scheming, untrustworthy, and self-serving, They warned that his activities could jeopardize the Franciscans' work in the Americas and Asia. Various letters received in Europe also made it clear that Date Masamune wasn't a Christian, definitely wasn't in line to be emperor, that he was more like the equivalent of a minor noble in Europe. Some of the people who had written to authorities about Soleto also seemed to dislike him personally because they found him tactless and rude. 
This came up in Madrid as well, when Soleto requested that Hasakura be inducted into the Order of Santiago, which is a military religious order. But only Spanish nobles were allowed to join the Order of Santiago, and they were required to prove their, quote, purity of blood. Hasakura was a Japanese man who had not even been baptized, so Soleto's suggestion was seen as appalling. In spite of all this, Hasakura did meet with King of Spain, Philip III, delivering a letter from Date Masamune requesting open trade between Japan and Spain's colonies in the Americas. This letter was also very flattering, describing Hasakura as particularly blessed to be able to experience the glory of a Christian nation. The king wouldn't give the delegation a firm answer, though. He apparently said that the pope would need to weigh in. So the delegation asked to travel to Rome so that they could ask the pope to approve a trade agreement, as well as an increase in the number of Franciscan friars sent to Japan and more financial support for those missionaries' work. They also planned to ask for Spanish navigators to be sent to Japan to teach Japanese sailors and captains about European navigation methods. Before they left for Rome on February 17th, 1615, Hasakura Tsunanaga and some of the other samurai were publicly baptized. Hasakura's baptism was performed by the king's chaplain, and the king, the queen, and the royal family were all present. At his baptism, he took the name Francisco Felipe Fahikura. When the delegation left for Rome, about six of them stayed behind in Spain, settling around Coria del Rio outside of Seville. Today, there are people living in that area that have the surname Japon. That's spelled J-A-P-O-N, so it clearly is a reference to Japan. And they're believed to be descended from members of this delegation. However, not all of them seem to have fared well in Spain. There is one written reference to a Don Tomas Felipe Japon who wrote to the council in 1622 saying that he had been one of the Japanese envoys baptized along with Hasakura and that he had since been enslaved in the town of Zafra. He asked for his freedom and permission to return to Japan, which was granted. To return to the delegation, they formally entered Rome on October 29, 1615, and they had an audience with Pope Paul V just a few days later on November 3rd. This was a big contrast to what had happened in Madrid, where they spent months waiting for an audience with the king. Hasakura delivered their request for more missionaries and for permission to trade with the colonies. While the Pope refused to make a firm commitment on a trade agreement, he did agree to send more missionaries. The Pope also noted the possibility of naming a Bishop of Japan, with Soleto recommended for that role. But he didn't make a firm commitment on that either. This would have been politically pretty challenging for the Pope. Among other things, since Portuguese missionaries had been the first ones in Japan, Portugal thought that any new bishop sent to Japan should be Portuguese. And Soleto, of course, was Spanish. The delegation remained in Rome for a few more weeks after this, receiving Holy Communion from the Pope during Christmas Mass. Hasakura was also granted honorary Roman citizenship on January 2nd, 1616. His portrait was also painted more than once while he was in Rome. One portrait is attributed to either Claude de Rette or Archita Ricci and shows Hasakura in loose-fitting embroidered Japanese garments. He's carrying traditional swords, and behind him is a painting of a galleon with what looks like angels in the sky above it. 
Another is credited to the school of Giovanni Niccolo, and it shows Hasakura dressed in black Western religious attire, kneeling before a crucifix with his hands folded in prayer. Hasakura, four other Japanese men, and Luis Saletto are all depicted in a fresco in the Quirinal Palace in Rome, which is part of a series of frescoes depicting emissaries that had been received by Pope Paul V. The artists who worked on this series of paintings included Agostino Tassi, Giovanni Lanfranco, and others. These frescoes were painted by order of the Pope, and they were one of the ways that he was sort of reinforcing his own legacy. He was documenting how many delegations he had received from other parts of the world and suggesting that under his direction, the church had been particularly successful in its missionary efforts in Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Northern Europe. The delegation left Rome on January 7, 1616, and visited Florence and other cities in Italy. Before leaving Europe, Hasakura returned to Madrid and made one final attempt to secure a trade agreement with Spain. This time, the king definitively refused, apparently giving the reason that since Hasakura was representing only the daimyo of one region, not the ruler of all of Japan, he was just not authorized to make this kind of agreement. Word had also reached Spain that persecution of Christians in Japan was increasing, which might have been another factor in the king's refusal. Hasakura's delegation left Europe in the summer of 1617, reversing their original route to get back to Japan. But at first, they only got as far as Manila. They got there in 1618 and stayed for more than two years. During that time, the Catholic Council of the Indies ordered Saleto to return to New Spain, and he left. Christians in Japan had faced periods of persecution before the delegation set sail in 1613, and that had really escalated while they were gone. Tokugawa Ieyasu had issued an edict expelling not just missionaries, but all Christians from Japan in 1614, right around the time that the delegation reached Acapulco. Then Tokugawa Ieyasu died in 1616 and was succeeded by his son, Tokugawa Hidetada. Ieyasu had formally resigned his position as shogun long before that point, but he had still retained a lot of power. But after he died, Hidetada took a much stronger stance against Christianity in Japan. This was motivated in part by concerns about whether Spain would try to conquer Japan if they were allowed to continue trading and sending missionaries. So Hasakura Tsunanaga was seen as deeply suspect. Not only had he converted to Christianity and been baptized, but he had also traveled to Europe with the objective of expanding Spain's relationship with Japan. For reasons that aren't entirely clear, shortly after having a meeting with Hasakura after his return, Date Masamune also outlawed Christianity in his domain under penalty of exile or death. A lot of this is, like, real poorly documented, but it seems like he could have been trying to just really distance himself from this whole thing in the face of really changing uh, expectations in Japan. Hasakura had kept a journal documenting his travels, but as we noted earlier, sometime after returning to Japan, this was destroyed, along with other records of the mission. He most likely died in 1622, but there are wildly different unofficial accounts about what happened to him. Some say that he had been baptized in Spain only for the sake of securing a trade agreement, and that after returning to Japan, he renounced his conversion to Catholicism. 
Others say that his conversion was genuine and that he became even more devoted to Christianity after returning to Japan in spite of escalating threats to his life. According to a surviving letter, he also had a son who was forced to take his own life for either harboring Christians or being Christian himself in 1640. By the time Hasekura returned to Japan, the members of the Tensho Boys delegation that we talked about earlier had either died, left Japan, or left the Jesuit order, with the exception of Julian Nakaura. He was still in Japan and was still a Jesuit, and during all of this, he was arrested, tortured, and killed in 1623. Although Luis Saleto had been ordered to return to New Spain, he later went back to Japan in disguise, and soon after that, he was captured. He was burned at the stake on August 25, 1624. In 1637, Catholics in the domain of Shimabara rebelled against high taxes and violent suppression of Catholicism. Japanese officials suppressed the rebellion by dispatching more than 100,000 troops with assistance from a Dutch warship. Although various edicts had suppressed or expelled Christians before this point, this time Japanese officials turned their attention to Europeans more broadly. Japan started closing down its borders, entering a period of isolationism known as Sakoku. Eventually, the only trade that was permitted with people outside of Asia was with the Dutch East India Company, and then only at the port of Nagasaki. This policy continued until the arrival of Commodore Matthew Perry's fleet on July 8th, 1853. Because records of Hasekura Tsunanaga's voyage were destroyed during this period of isolationism, he mostly disappeared from Japanese history until 1873, when Prince Irakura Tomomi found documents recounting the delegation in archives in Venice. Emperor Meiji later made the discovery public. Today, there are several statues and monuments to Hasekura Tsunanaga and his delegation around the world. A statue in Coria del Rio, Spain, was donated by the government of Japan in 1992. Another statue is in Havana, Cuba, and there's one in Viale Guglielmo Marconi near Porta Livorno in Italy. The Hasekura Tsunanaga Memorial Park is at the site of his tomb in Osato, Japan, and a replica of the San Juan Baptista was built at the port where the delegation originally set sail. These events are also dramatized in the 1980 novel The Samurai by Shushako Endo, which was translated into English by Vancy Gessel two years later. While this is a novel, it's grounded in as much historical fact is as known about Hasekura and the delegation. This book was also informed by Shushaku Endo's own experiences as a Japanese person who was baptized at the age of 11. There's also a Japanese TV series about the Tensho Embassy called Magi, the Tensho Boys Embassy. Do you also have listener mail for us? I do have listener mail. First, I have a quick correction. This is from Krista. Krista wrote, Hi, Tracy and Holly. In today's Six Impossible episodes, you say George IV was married to Catherine of Brunswick. I think you meant Caroline of Brunswick. <laughs> it's at 32 minutes and 42 seconds on my Apple Podcast player. I love Six Impossible episodes, and I love your Mother Goose series best. Krista, thank you so much, Krista. Indeed, I did mean Caroline. This is not even a case where it was right in the outline and the wrong word came out of our mouths, which, like, that happens sometimes. The sure wrong does. word 
came out of my typing fingers into the outline. So thank you for that correction about Caroline of Brunswick. Um, I also have an email from Catherine, and this is about outdoor drama. Uh, and it's been a bit since the episode came out where we talked about this, but I, it feels like we're entering outdoor drama season. A lot of that happens in the summer. For sure. So yeah. uh felt good about returning to it. Catherine wrote, hi, Holly and Tracy. I've been a listener since the early days, but I've continually been behind by a few weeks or months. I'm systematically catching up, and I just recently listened to your behind-the-scenes episode where you were talking about all the historical dramas in North Carolina. I'd wondered if those shows existed in other places or not. They actually do kind of. I'm currently a librarian at a performing arts school in New York City, but my previous career was in musical theater. One of my first jobs in my professional theater career was with a historical outdoor drama in Ohio. At the time, there were several shows of that type in Ohio. Trumpet in the Land, Blue Jacket, Johnny Appleseed, and Tecumseh. When I was performing there in the early 2000s, there were four outdoor dramas in Ohio. The theater I worked at, Trumpet in the Land, did two historically-based shows in repertoire with a more standard musical and a children's show during the summer. The title musical was written by Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Paul Green, who also wrote The Lost Colony. The theater at Trumpet in the Land is still running after more than 50 years and has other shows in the outdoor amphitheater during the non-summer months. The other show that Catherine wrote about is Tecumseh, which we talked about a couple of times in those earlier listener mails we talked about this. So Catherine wrote, Tecumseh is celebrating their 50th anniversary this summer, but after doing some initial sleuthing, it doesn't look like the other two are around anymore. During my contract at Trumpet, there was definitely some camaraderie between the cast, and we each tried to go see the others' productions at least once during the summer. There was also a bit of competition and rivalry going on with regards to which shows had the best horsemanship, gunplay, and various other stunts and special effects. I think the early 2000s may have been the heyday of outdoor drama because there used to be a specific audition for it, yes, in North Carolina each spring, where actors could audition once for representatives from theaters all around the country that had outdoor performances, regardless of whether or not they were historical. It looks like that standalone audition does not exist anymore and is now part of the larger Southeast Theater Conference, SETC auditions. However, it looks like there is still an active National Conference on Outdoor Theater under the SETC umbrella. Hearing Tracy mention The Lost Colony immediately brought back memories of friends I made doing other theater contracts and how they used to brag about how it was the first and best of all the outdoor historical plays and they never would let anyone forget that Tony Award-winning costume designer William Ivy Long did the costumes there. In the years since, there have been some allegations regarding Long and some of his actions with some of his college-age costuming assistants, so that's not really something they usually readily bring up now. But back in the day, it was all anyone talked about. Even though this is almost a year later, I thought I'd provide some backstory for an interesting topic that I happen to have some personal experience with. I'm thankful I have the opportunity to work at a job that combines Two things I love, libraries and performing arts. This way, even though I'm not a professional singer slash dancer myself anymore, I still feel connected to it. My undergraduate's degrees were in musical theater and ballet, so I always love hearing Holly's ballet memories as they prod some of my own. Thank you for the fascinating topics. I love, love to learn about new things as I'm walking outside or just taking me time to relax. Catherine, thank you so much for this email, Catherine. 
In addition to uh, talking about some outdoor drama stuff that we did not talk about um, in listener mail when that episode originally came out, uh, this reminded me of my days as a youth going to SETC with my high school. (laughs) Uh, If you would like to send us a note about this or any other podcast, we're History Podcast at iHeartRadio.com. We're all over social media at Missing History. That's where you'll find our Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. And you can subscribe to our show on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.